Radical. Welcome to this week's episode of the Print on Demand cast. Each week, join the gnarly Travis and Josiah as they provide insight into the print on demand industry and equip you with the totally tubular tools, advice, and strategies you need to achieve success and hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Now on to this week's totally tubular show. Hey everybody, welcome back to a brand new, fresh episode of the Print On Demand cast. Episode 110 is now officially underway and as always joining me, uh, my co-host Travis Ross. Travis, happy Monday, maybe, depending on how it went for you. So you tell me, happy Monday, mediocre Monday, bad Monday, which one? Um, I'm just going to... I'm just going to say it's a Monday because it seems like every Monday lately has been, there's been issues, but um, I don't want to, you know, get all into the doldrums and share all of my pain. And um, <laughs> it, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it can be cathartic to, to kind of share about all the things that are going wrong. But at other times I just feel like I, I feel bad for our listeners because they just have to put up with all of our, you know, sad, sad stories. But yeah. You know, suffice it to say it was yet another Monday. Um, and, you know, as such, there were some issues. But like I say, we don't need to go into that. Yeah. It's a brand. It's episode 110 of the podcast. Who yeah, needs that? Fun. Right. Yeah, exactly. We are I'm wearing this cool Led Zeppelin shirt that right. I got from our buddy, Uncle Mike, you know, and it printed really well. And uh, looks great. So, yeah. Well, thank you. I like your shirt, too. Yeah, look at that. The uh, old uh, Cobra Kai parody uh, print on demand cast t shirt. And for those that are wondering your, where you can get one, uh, simple simple solution print on demand cast.com slash shop is where you can get one of these exact shirts. And then go watch the new season of Cobra Kai in all of its cheesy, campy glory. Uh, <laughs> absolutely wonderful. <laughs> so, um, hey, you know. We're gonna we're gonna cut the waffle a little bit short. Maybe we'll revisit the waffle after this. But we've got a special. We've never had a field reporter before. Someone that's <laughs> out there on the go. It's not. It could be a traffic update, maybe, but probably won't be. We'll see. Uh, but we're gonna go to this week's point of interest, and then we'll let you know who's out in the field to report on the interest of this particular point. Well, howdy, partner. Welcome to the point of interest part of the POD cast. So grab your hat and hold on tight because we got some learning to do. Wow. All right. Well, joining us once again from some interstate in California. You know him. You love him. (laughs) He's practically family because we gave him the title of uncle. Mike Perillo is back on the show with us. Mike, thank you so much for uh, being a new correspondent and bringing us a break. Lovely applause. Of the point. Yes, you are welcome, friend. You're welcome. May it carry you into good luck into your cornhole tournament that I'm that you're going to. Or if it, if it is a tournament, maybe it's just a, an exhibition. No, I don't know how it no, works. It's a tur- but... <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a tournament. Okay. Okay. Good to know. I know nothing about that game other than the point that you try and get the Bag in the hole, which anyway, so interesting points. We had a, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, this Amazon health dashboard. I um, mm-hmm. think that they're getting ready to roll out. And, you know, Travis and I speculated on a few things and there was a conference coming up uh, that we hoped Amazon would shed more light on what exactly this is, whether they did or they didn't. Well, that's why hey, <laughs> you're here, Uncle Mike, to let us know what's the latest update on this Amazon health dashboard and what do listeners Uh, of our show who have an Amazon account need to know. So the, the kind of the song and dance at the conference was, you know, just a little bit of a song and dance. Didn't really give us a little more insight, but there's a couple of things that we've kind of figured out in the last couple of weeks. They're rolling out the dashboard. Mm -hmm. It's a gradual rollout. Um, Supposedly it's supposed to be done and on everybody's account by the end of 2022. And, um, couple of things to note the calculation from the old dashboard which you guys know that which has the the three color codes and healthy mm-hmm. at risk unhealthy the calculation on the new one is a little different and takes into account a few more things that could be uh bad or good depending on 
what state your account's in. So it takes in things like how many orders you do. And mm-hmm. it's the equivalent of kind of a credit score. If you guys know what a credit score kind of is made of, it's how worthy you are. Um, it's if you've made any big mistakes, you know, those will decrease your, um, basically decrease your score. If you're selling a lot of things and you don't have a lot of problems, either in shipping or intellectual property problems or otherwise, your score is going to be higher. Um, one thing to note that it is pretty interesting. It's a scale from zero to 1000. Um, anything under 200, you're kind of in trouble. Anything below 100, you're really in trouble and your account will probably be deactivated. Um, but yeah, one thing to note is you don't start at a thousand and go down. You actually start at 200 is something that I learned the other day. So if you end up with like a 204 or a 200, you're probably not selling a whole lot of things and you might, uh, you know, be one or two problems away from a bigger problem. So, Mm. um, the things your listeners probably need to know, um, I'll just hit these pretty quickly. If you have any problems in your account health dashboard, you need to address them as quick as possible. Don't sit on them. Um, but also don't be impulsive about trying to fix them. So if something gets taken down, the worst thing you can kind of do is, right when you're upset, you know, like you're probably not going to write anything that's worth it and you're going to probably cause more problems. Um, Mm -hmm. The second thing that you probably, or you really do need to be careful of is sometimes you can get notifications for certain things that would affect your account health, but then they magically don't show up in there, but they are not (laughs) gone. They exist (laughs) in the ether and Amazon will cite them as problems, even though you have no way to appeal them. Um, Hmm. it's kind of a little catch they get you in where Hmm. they can try to deactivate your account or give you a 72 hour notice that you have to write a plan of action. And then they include these ASINs or products that, yeah, yeah, you might've saw the notice, but you were like, okay, cool. You know, they didn't show up in there. So it must not be a problem. No, it's a problem. Um, Hmm. the best way to deal with that, if that does happen is to use the, um, account health call button, um, -hmm. to get a hold of somebody and they'll, hopefully be able to help you. But yeah, the only way to really get an issue, especially with intellectual property off your account is to get the ASIN reinstated. If you do not get that magic email that says the product was reinstated and your product doesn't go live again, you still have an issue that you need to deal with that still can be a, um, mm-hmm. a suspendable offense. So that's kind of yeah, what I, we know. Yeah. Yeah. I know one of the things that, um, you know, we've worked together on some of my issues and you've helped me through some of my issues. And I know, um, I think one of the things that our listeners could know is that, you know, if, if you do, you know, write back to Amazon or appeal, you know, something or say, Hey, this is, you know, what, what happened if you do that. And then they come back and say, well, thank you, but that we don't care or, <laughs> you know, in maybe not so many words, but, or, or more words than that. Um, don't give up keep, keep going. I know, um, Mike, you have, what, what, do you have an average number of back and forth appeal processes that when you've seen like success, it's, it's probably five to six or even more sometimes that you're going back and just reiterating, maybe changing a few words and you keep pushing until maybe you get it in front of the right person. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's that that is definitely fair to say. Um on average it can be 5 to 8 um from what I've seen. But you also have to be careful cuz when you get to a certain number of appeals so many times, they actually take the ability to appeal that ASIN away from you. Mm-hmm. I think that number is around 22 or 23 from what I've seen. So if you appeal something 23 times and you're not giving them enough information that they'll reinstate it they they won't reinstate it and you will have an even bigger problem if Jeez. your account comes under scrutiny so um, it just basically will stay there for the whole 180 days um correct. but hey i mean 22 times is a lot uh, you know a, a lot of times that you can go back and forth so I, I guess to me the moral of the story is don't just do it once and if they say no just allow it to die there i think right. yeah. part of it is is like pushing and trying to continually go back to them, you know, like you're saying up to 20, 22 times, you've got an opportunity to get that thing fixed. And so, um, 
having that off of your account is is worth the extra effort um, because it only takes from what we're seeing it only takes a few to get under that 200 and potentially even under that 100 especially if you're not selling a ton of things you know it would be nice if you if they started you higher and then like you say they ding you as you go down but that's that's not the way they're working And, and nobody has like exact numbers of well, a suspected intellectual property violation takes this many points off and a sale puts this many points back on. Uh, you know, nobody knows any of that except well, for Amazon and their massive there, algorithm. There is a max that they have in the help files. If you go read about account health, it says at max on a repeat violation, you can have five, uh, what do they call it? Infringements. So that's suspected hmm. and received. And too restricted which is kind of absurd because amazon has false positives all the time where they Mm -hmm. think a t-shirt is a pesticide or something like that so two five intellectual property problems at the same time or two restricted and you're going to zero i've I've already seen it happen you're you're going straight Mm -hmm. to zero and you'll probably you may get a three-day um deactivation notice um you might get a seven day, but from what I've seen, when you when you go to zero, you're getting a three day deactivation, which means you basically have three days to fix those problems. And some of them can only be fixed by seller support, which, as mm-hmm. we know, is not <laughs> the most fantastic thing in the world right now. <laughs> um, so, not you know, nothing against Amazon. Um, you just have to be really diligent. And if something seems like it's not quite right in the dashboard, like I said, like your ASIN doesn't show up or you got a reinstatement email, but it's still in account health. You need to follow mm-hmm. up and make sure that they take care of that because they might have hit the wrong button. The you know sure. their programming could have done something weird, and maybe it didn't get reinstated. Um, I've had ASINs drop off, go back, and then drop off again. I've seen a couple of instances of that lately. Um, mm-hmm. And then the person's getting a seventy-two hour POA, and that is the ASIN that they're citing is the one that was in there. And it went away without a reinstatement email and then came back and then went away again. It's like, what the heck is going on? Right. So it's, it's kind of a mess. Um, it's definitely something you're going to have to watch out for. Um, and I guess the last thing I'll kind of say is that it, it does. So every, almost every year, Amazon does what I call a Q, a pre Q4 cleanup, or we see it sometimes mm-hmm. before prime day where they're, allotment of allowances seems to shrink a lot and they are trying to clean up basically bad actors on the platform. So Mm -hmm. I'm starting to see instances of that starting this week. Um, I've seen several, uh, you know, 72 hour POAs and situations where that's plan of action, plan of action, plan plan of action in 72 hours. And if it's not good enough, you will be deactivated. So I've seen that, Mm -hmm. um, I saw that actually a lot today um, and a little bit at the end of last week. So it looks like they're rolling out their pre Q4 cleanup. I don't know if it has to do with the dashboard or not, um, mm-hmm. but it could be, or it could just be a coincidence. Um, but yeah, but definitely okay. be diligent of what you've got going on in account health, whether it's a, you know, if you've got an order defect rate that's high or a, you know, a shipping kind of problem, um, where you've got like uh, shipping defects a lot or your on-time delivery is bad. I mean, I would try to fix everything as fast as you can right now. Yeah. All right. So um, before we let you mosey on down the road to your cornhole, um, pretty much everything you've said so far um, has, you know, cued the sad violin. Um, it, it seems pretty bleak. Um, can you leave us with something like some positives about Amazon? Like, would you recommend um, sellers to sell on Amazon? And uh, and if so, I know this is I've had a lot of conversations with Uncle Mike, guys, and and we've had a lot of like bashing Amazon in the background. Yeah, because it's just sometimes, you know, we've we talked about it on the podcast. Left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. They they kind of throw out these new updates everybody gets caught in the, you know, the crosshairs or not everybody, but a lot of people get caught in the crosshairs and then they go back and they fix it. Um, so give us something that, uh, is a positive Mike, um, before, you know, everybody goes and, you know, before nobody wants to ever sell on Amazon again. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, 
the the positive is more of you know just diversify yourself as best you can yes you can sell on amazon yes there's still money to be made there just make sure that you're not doing anything wrong you know and make sure that you understand what is wrong and what is right so if you know if you're designing things make sure that somebody doesn't have a trademark i mean my my rule of thumb is pretty simple it's like if i can find it somewhere else on the internet i'm probably not going to use it um there is no magic rule that says it Uh oh did Mike just freeze? That's terrible. That is. <laughs> Mike, you're you just so froze, close. Buddy. You froze. You're so close. Oh. Is he going to come back? Is he... Hey, he's back. Hey. He's back. He froze. I know. I have two bars. I don't know what happened. Um, sorry about that, guys. Yeah, just you know, diversify your business as best you can, and then just make mm-hmm. sure on Amazon you're not doing anything you shouldn't be. And what I would also caution you on is other platforms like Etsy and eBay and places like that, they're not far behind on Walmart. They're not far behind what Amazon does. Amazon's kind of the leader. So if they start, right. you know, take, taking out a lot of people for certain things, these other platforms will do the same thing. So what you might've got away yeah. with at one point on another platform or Amazon, you're probably not going to get away. They're always trying to make sure that their customer base is safe from any issues. Sure. So, yeah, but I mean, there is still money to be made out there, and there's plenty of other ways to make it too outside of Amazon. You know, you can find a niche and kind of you know ride that. The, you know, like I wouldn't completely be like, oh, I'm giving up. You know, there's always mm-hmm. something you can do. All right. Well, cool. Just a little bit of a silver lining there, but uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show quickly for a, a point of interest, and uh, may you no have. Problem. All of the luck at your cornhole tournament. Thank how you. many how many teams are you up against? Uh, I think there's like 18, 18 teams tonight. Good so we'll see where I finish. I've been doing okay lately. Maybe finishing in the top top five or six in the last okay. few that I've been to in the last few weeks. So all right. So yep. it's, a, it's a singles tournament then. Uh, tonight is something called Switch, where you kind of move around partners. And then who you get for the finals is kind of based on where you ranked in the, the preliminary qualifiers. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, should be, I think it was like 30, 36 people going. So there'll be about 18 teams. Cool. Wow. That's incredible. Well, may all your bags land in the <laughs> hole. <laughs> Thank yes, you guys. You are welcome. Thanks for coming on the show, man. And we'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Have a, have a good one guys. Catch you Good's later. You. All right. Bye. All right, See you, Mike. Bye. All right. Well, there's more about cornhole than I thought we'd talk about in this episode. Uh, but you know, <laughs> thanks for to Mike for for coming on the show and uh, giving us a quick update. We were kind of talking about like, you know, I asked you for an, if you had an update, and you're like, we should just call Mike because he's gonna know, right? Probably exactly. the most. So yeah, we both works. watched. Um, we both watched the uh, Accelerate Conference um, link for or the uh, the session for Count Health and immediately after like five minutes after they were done um we were on the phone talking about it and just (laughs) basically i mean everything we're we're doing right now we're talking about is is you know based on you know accounts that we've seen but a lot of it is kind of like ideas or thoughts that you know um they're, they're just hypotheses at this point and as this thing's rolled out i think um as you know we're gonna see a lot more uh evidence for one thing or the other. And, um, it's, it's definitely, there's a little bit of like hesitation as we're going into Q4. It's like, man, Amazon, couldn't you do this in like January or February or something? But, um, I, I get it. Uh, I think one of the things that we talked about, I don't know if we mentioned this on the last podcast, but one of the ideas I had, and and I, I think actually Mike had it, um, you know, if, if they can kind of slim down some of their sellers by, you know, uh, these measures, that also lowers the amount of FBA products that they're having to store in their facilities. And so it makes sense for them to do it right before Q4, get the bad actors out, get some of the people that are trying to skirt the rules out. So they limit. And so they can put more of the good products, if you will, um, into their FBA centers and, and, um, and just have more room for those things. So yeah, a lot, a lot to unpack there. Um, We just, 
you know, again, we're just giving you our opinions and our thoughts and our hypotheses yeah. and uh, we'll see what actually shakes down as this new seller dashboard is, uh, you know, rolled out to all the sellers over time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have, uh, uh, you know, other updates as, as things evolve and uh, we actually figure out what the heck is going on uh, mm -hmm. with this. But like you said, before we press record, Amazon, um, the hope is that they'll be very forthcoming and just kind of, you know, transparent about what the new processes are. But oftentimes they give a lot of generalities and pretty vague statements. And then they're like, right, cool. Yeah. We, we clear. You're like, yeah, clear as mud. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna have to get mm -hmm. on the phone and <laughs> call somebody else. Cause this did nothing for me. So <laughs> that's pretty, pretty uh, typical of, of an Amazon rollout of, of whatever they are. You know, yeah, it's kind of like our podcast, you know, we just yeah. share a bunch of stuff and you're like, I have no idea what you guys just said for the yeah. last 20 minutes. Yeah. Best of luck. You know, <laughs> just take what we said, <laughs> see if it works. If it doesn't, we didn't say it would. And if it does, told you so is what basically how, <laughs> how this all works, but we're going to go uh, to this week's main event. And uh, it's about another platform, not about Amazon, uh, but about Etsy. So let's go to this week's main event. Ladies and gentlemen, the main event. All right, we said that we're going to talk about Etsy and some tips for selling on Etsy. I think we have maybe, I don't know, 10 or so tips. Just some things that we want to touch on that would be helpful for you guys to know. Uh, especially if you are just getting into the Etsy game or considering getting mm -hmm. into the Etsy game. I think off the top, it's important to know that I think Etsy is definitely um, Mike just refer or kind of alluded to the fact that Amazon is kind of the leader and what mm -hmm. they're doing. And Etsy has actually kind of tightened the reins on some of the stuff that they do and do not allow, but it's still right. a very, very quickly and rapidly growing platform. Um, yeah. to get on, to help to help diversify. Um, I think the latest statistic or latest uh, study is that Etsy sellers contributed $14.3 billion into the U.S. economy in 2021. And that's an Etsy 167% increase from the $5.7 billion in 2018. That's a lot. That's a substantial yeah. growth in three years. Um, so it it's also really impressive. It's also really impressive that you did that math in your head. I know that wasn't on the notes <laughs> at all. It was right there. <laughs> I had to maybe try and feign us. Oh, you carry the one and then you take it. I'm a terrible <laughs> mathematician. It's right in front of me. Uh, but the notes were a little condensed and I had to kind of move the screen and, uh, and acting is what it was. But Etsy has more than 120 million items for sale. Think about 120 million items. It's incredible. So, we're going to go through some stuff and let you know uh, some some um, things to keep in mind when you're wanting to sure. sell on Etsy. So, Travis, what would be uh, one of the first ones uh, on, on the list? Well, I think, I mean, just having Mike on and talking about Amazon, uh, you know, just move that all of that discussion over to Etsy. And, and you, yeah. you really need to know what you can and what you can't sell on yes. the Etsy platform. Um, that's super important because I, I mean, none of us want to get our account suspended on any platform. And so Etsy has, you know, they've got specific things that they've said you can and specific things that they've said you can't sell on right. their platform. Right. And so um, you can find all this at the, um, you know, all of Etsy's seller policies on their website. I mean, they've got just pages and pages of them. Um, but let's break down some of the basics of what you can and can't yeah. sell on Etsy. Um, the first thing would be, you know, obviously just products that you have created, you know, yeah. because if you've created them, you have the rights to sell them because they're yeah. your products. Yeah. Um, Etsy kind of got started in the vintage game. So um, you can sell vintage pro um, items that are even like older than you just made them. Plus. Maybe they're, yeah, 20 yeah. years plus um, digital materials, which a lot of people don't necessarily know. You can actually sell digital files and maybe we yeah. talked about that a little bit on the show but if you design something you know maybe you have an art piece or something you can sell that on on etsy yeah um, what are some yep. other things you can sell yeah products you created with a production partner which of course we've talked about a ton here on the show mm -hmm. using someone like make your mark design 
that t-shirts or signs, wooden signs or, or what have you, um, that is of course fair game. Uh, and then right. craft supplies, things that are using to, to make crafts. I mean, Etsy kind of started niched into that whole like handmade custom type right. stuff is kind of how it was the niche that it kind of first, um, you know, leaned into when it launched. So it makes a lot of sense that craft supplies is, is a great idea because people are still out there looking for things to use to make products yeah. themselves. And, and back to the digital materials written or designed, there's a handful of things that I've purchased uh, on before. Like if I want a poster, instead of paying for, you know, the poster and the frame, I'll, buy, I'll just buy the digital file off of Etsy and then I'll print mm. it myself for cheaper, at, you know, a, a store FedEx store or whatever, the kind of a large format and, right. and just pay for the the actual file. And then you have the rights to print that as well. There's also some stuff that, of course, you can't sell on Etsy, and some of these are obvious, um, I hope. <laughs> um, starting with, you know, alcohol, jugs, and tobacco products. Uh, right. Could you sell a handcrafted t- tobacco pipe? Probably. I could not. I could not sell this Sam no. Adams Oktoberfest on Etsy. No, but you could sell a handcrafted bottle opener that Travis could be mm. having on his keychains. So there's things that lend themselves like, you know, tobacco pipes or bottle openers. You just can't put tobacco in the pipes or sell the bottle <laughs> with the opener uh, right. to, to do that. Uh, you know, to Mike's point earlier, you know, copyright material and handmade items that you did not make. We've yeah. talked at, you know, ad nauseum about copyright issues, being smart about it, knowing what you can and cannot sell and, and don't rip, mm-hmm. and rip off other people's stuff. Um, uh, weapons and explosives you can't can't sell the dynamite even the acme dynamite that the roadrunner used to use to get <laughs> the coyote you can't sell them uh travis anything else uh on the list of stuff that you just shouldn't and cannot sell on etsy yeah um merch by amazon has a has a rule is like you can't sell anything that's like promoting or or profiting off profiting, of a, yeah um off of a uh, a tragedy or a tragedy. Yeah. That's yeah. the word I was yeah. looking for. And so same thing with Etsy items that promote, um, you know, tragedy or anything like that, or if they, um, glorify hatred or violence, you know, yeah. there's, you know, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get your account deactivated really quick. Don't. Yep. Um, and, and this is, this is one of those kind of danger areas for print on demand sellers because, uh, you know, you might think, Oh, this is a hilarious joke, but, um, it's, it it might be just a little bit off color, and if yeah. they sense it, if they see it like that, and I, I think I think there was even one instance that I heard because I mean there these these particular this example these shirts are everywhere I've seen them everywhere but the back to back World War champions that they've those right. shirts that you've mm-hmm. seen uh, there has been instances that I've heard of where people have gotten their accounts suspended or taken down for those shirts because even though it seems a pretty benign joke for the most part it is referencing two two world wars that were uh impactful for very negative reasons on the entire world so um you know you just got to be careful and understanding um what could be perceived and that's 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 the issue is that you know um travis and i aren't making the rules so some of the stuff that you might we might think is kind of funny like back-to-back world war champs to me seems harmless but we're not the ones making the rules it's completely up to the interpretation of the people in charge uh so uh anything yeah. else before we move on to to kind of the, the next point there no i just i th- i think everything that we just talked about with mike applies here just be smart yeah. don't be stupid yeah. don't 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 do anything that's gonna even approach the line and uh you yeah. should you should <laughs> be safe because i mean technically acme dynamite from the roadrunner is vintage item of more than 20 years old but still don't sell it it's true and who knows if it even works could be a dud, a mm-hmm. huge dud. You never know. Uh, the, the next thing, and this is something that I find actually pretty, pretty interesting as well, uh, is add multiple payment options. Uh, and I find it interesting because I, I've worked with clients in the past who, uh, you know, I helped set up their Squarespace store or their Shopify, mm-hmm. um, and they are adamant about allowing uh, PayPal as an option of payment because they're customers. Mm-hmm want to pay with PayPal. I, up until that point, have never really considered people using PayPal uh, to for, for online transactions. But a recent study shows that 7% of online shoppers abandon, shop, abandon shopping carts because there aren't enough payment 
options. So that's crazy. It's nuts. You wouldn't think that's like, what are you yeah. talking about? I have Stripe plugged in. They can play with the, they can pay with a credit card or a debit card, but some people want to pay with, I can tell you on my phone, if it, if there's an Apple pay option, mm-hmm. that's the easiest thing for me to do is click the button, double click face ID. It's pay. I don't have to enter anything. That's right. usually my go-to. And so if, if there isn't that option, Okay, I guess I'll, you know, I'm not one of those 7% apparently right. that won't abandon, that abandons their cart. I'll enter <laughs> in the information begrudgingly. But, you know, Apple Pay and Google Pay are, are huge options because it's yeah. simplicity. And the less things that your customer, uh, when it comes to like Apple Pay and Google Pay, the mm-hmm. less the resistance they have to entering the payment information, if it's literally just a fingerprint or a face ID, Right. Uh, it takes the the recognition and the the time of being like, ah, oh, never mind, I don't need this. While they're entering the card number, looking at the total, thinking about the shipping, nah, I'm not going to get it. I'll just wait for a later time, abandon their car or whatever. Make it mm-hmm. easy. Just streamline yeah. that thing. I think PayPal is pretty much the same as well. Sign up with PayPal and all the information is there for them and, and they're good to go. Yeah, I mean, when you consider how much... Um... How many shoppers are are using mobile these days? It's it's yeah. astronomical. It's it's yeah. more than it's more than half of your shoppers that are coming to your store are using yeah. mobile. And so, do you really want to have them, you know, get out their wallet and pull out the credit card and type in all those numbers on a mobile device? Or to to Josiah's point, Face ID, boom, you know, it's paid for. They don't have to do anything else. So, the more yeah. payment options you can give to your clients or to your potential customers, um, the less friction, but less retail friction that there is for them to actually finish checking out and actually buying your item. So Etsy does uh, support Apple Pay, Google Pay, PayPal, uh, credit cards, debit cards, even, you know, Etsy gift cards. But I I would highly recommend you consider adding an Apple Pay or a Google Pay function for that mobile shopper. I think that'll go a long way uh, towards towards helping you uh, capture that sale and finalize that sale. Yeah, 100%. Um, And then the next thing I would say too is build your mailing list. I think we've talked about this quite a bit, but any Mm -hmm. affiliate marketer, anyone that's going to be out there that you're like, how do you build an audience? How do you get your product in front of people? They're probably going to tell you that capturing emails is one of the most important things uh, that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it plays a significant role in online sales with an average return on investment of $36 for every dollar spent on right. capturing that email, which is a pretty huge ROI. $36 for every $1. Mm-hmm. I don't have that percentage in front of me in the notes. So you at home <laughs> can figure out that ROI percentage. But but yeah, it's... um. It's definitely a, a, a good piece of advice to keep in mind when you're trying to build your audience. Yeah. People come in for one product and you want to get them back and they already like your style, they already like the vibe, the aesthetic, the whatever of your shop, the designs, and you're releasing new stuff, send them mm-hmm. an email with that thing because they've already bought once. Right. I can tell you just recently, I, you know, I, I've shopped at this um, online in this place called Disciple Threads. I, I like their designs. And yeah. I bought from them and then they shot me an email with a new design that released. And I was like, that's pretty sweet. And it's yeah. in there. It's in that closet. So that, I mean, it works. It's effective. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the one thing you do need to worry or not worry about, but just make sure you're complying with Etsy's policies. It's, it's, it's actually against Etsy's policies to just like put every single buyer's contact yeah. info into yeah. a contact form. You can't do that. But what you can do is you can give them an opt-in when you send them a thank you message at the end after yeah. they've got their, you know, Hey, if you liked your product, you know, we, we release products all the time and we update our mailing list, please sign in here. That is okay to do with Etsy. So you may just make sure that um, you're, you're complying with Etsy's terms of use and their, their terms of service and things yeah. like that uh, when it comes to, you know, technically soliciting sure. their customers. I mean, it's sure. your customer, but it's on Etsy's platform. It, yeah, so you got to play yeah. by their rules. Etsy, Etsy's customer for they're the gatekeepers. They're exactly. it's their customer. It's kind of the same thing with Amazon. Amazon's not a huge fan mm-hmm. of that of that either. So yeah, to Travis's point, do, Amazon's even tighter knit. Or uh, you're you're not even supposed you're not supposed to ever reach out to customers, but yet. Yeah, I mean, every single one of us has bought a product on Amazon and gotten a card that's oh, for you know, sure. said, "Go here, here's five percent off." You can actually do that with like a five percent off card, but you're supposed yeah. to push them back to Amazon and not collect their email. Not your, Etsy yeah. is a little bit, yeah, Etsy is a little bit nicer um, or looser, I guess, 
um, on their guidelines for that. So you can in include like an opt-in form on a thank you message, or you can even do it like on your shop banner um, yeah. in your email signature. When you send that, that's a great place to do it too. Um, business cards that are pushing people towards your store, of course, because you're going to hand that to somebody, but, um, yeah. but yeah, so just be, just be smart. Um, but it's, it's a huge, huge benefit down the line to build that list. That list can, you know, to, to just size point earlier, uh, can really pay off exponentially, um, for the low price that you had to pay for a constant contact or a, right. or a MailChimp or an Aweber or whoever you're using. Um, there may be a monthly fee associated with that, but you can really, really quickly recoup that. And then some, um, by building your email list. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, and the next thing I think too, um, Travis, would, I'd say optimize your Etsy shop profile. I think mm -hmm. Etsy is really big on, um, it, it is very niche and we've talked about aesthetic. And so it's just good to make sure that your profile, um, including uh, everything from your shop banner to your shop policies, you know, when you mm -hmm. have a, a professional looking, well thought out profile presentation with photos and video, it just lends itself to more trust from the consumer side because it looks polished. It looks safe. It looks mm -hmm. like these guys know what they're doing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even we're talking about like even your about page. So think about it this way. Every word that you type is a potential SEO boost for your store. Yeah. Um, you know, so you can get more people by having a really robust about page that may not have ever seen your shop or see your shop in the first place, but they right. come there because for whatever reason, um, or when they do get there, they see that you've taken time and care. Um, you have 5,000 characters in your about page to talk about. I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of it's words. Lot. You can, you yeah. can really go into that. Um, but even beyond that, to your point, you know, you talked about um, the Etsy banner. It's it needs to be exactly what they say. At, um, uh, they do. Or th they don't show up on mobile, um, but they need to be exactly 760 by 100 pixels in size. Don't make it any bigger. Don't make it any smaller. Follow their rules for all of these different things, because that's going to put you in a better place to look more professional, look yep. more. Um, you know, like you got your, your stuff together, um, you know, and then even beyond that, like your actual shop title, if you haven't launched at all, think about putting keywords in there, gift, you know, something gift right. shop or so, you know, just those yep. are also SEO searchable. So really think through your whole profile, everything that you're putting out there, that's not a product yeah. I would include in your Etsy shop profile. And there's just a ton of stuff. What else, what else is there? Is there anything else you can think of Josiah that, um, we might want to include on this point. Yeah, I, I think to your point, you know, the shop banner is a good idea. Or sorry, the cover photo is good because uh, shop mm -hmm. banners don't show up on a mobile. We've talked about everything is is going mobile. Mm -hmm. um, so the yep. more that people can see from their phones, the better. Uh, I, th I think it's definitely going to be advantageous to you. Um, you can do, sh I mean, in introducing your team, even if it's just you and your spouse or you and your best friend, the more people can get attached to who you are and your story and what makes you unique mm -hmm. oftentimes is your story, that about section, like Travis was saying, and letting people know who you are, why you're doing this. Is this handcrafted? Was it inspired by a relative or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff um, is, is very compelling and can be the thing that sets you apart from someone that sells something similar, but people want to support you because they've invested in you and your team and the story and the motivation behind what you're selling. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, that whole basic shop setup. Um, the other thing that you can do, and I, I personally believe that it gives a boost in the algorithm is if you update that stuff, you know, every once in a while, you know, like somewhat regularly you update your about maybe not your whole thing and not, just sure. write it all over again, but maybe you just tweak some words and um, maybe add a little paragraph that you had didn't didn't have before. Yeah, um, I, I think that helps you. Any any place you can put text <laughs> um, 
if you're tweaking that, if you're changing that, just even the slightest amount, it it causes the Google spiders, you know, the crawlers <laughs> yeah. to to actually like re-log that as an update. Mm-hmm. And if even if Etsy doesn't like it, Google likes it. They love the uh, you know a, a page that is con- constantly refreshed, so you can get a little yeah. little SEO juice um, by doing that on the uh, on a somewhat regular basis. I think yeah. we we can probably move into like actual products now um, after we've talked about you know the, the shop profile and putting all of our energy into that. Yeah, um, the next one on the list is actually is maximizing your tags, and um, so. If you're not familiar, tags are basically just keywords. Um, it's the same yep. type of thing. Uh, and so Etsy Etsy gives you 13 basically phrases. They're not necessarily right. just 13 words. It's actually 13 yeah, it phrases. Phrase, yeah. And uh, those phrases can be up to 20 characters. Um, so you might do coffee mug for nurse as a tag. And right. I, I don't know, I didn't count them, but I'm thinking that's probably less than 20 words. That could be one tag. Yep. Let's do that 13, 13 times. times. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's encouraged, of course, to, to use all three tags, use phrases like Travis was saying, uh, use tags similar to your title keywords. Um, mm-hmm. Because this is what, um, you know, Etsy relies heavily on uh, to determine the product's relevance to buyer searches. So you want to make sure that this thing is is really dialed in and you're using all 13 of those tags don't repeat tags or categories mm-hmm. um, don't use plurals or misspelled words uh don't tag in multiple languages yeah. <laughs> you know don't use irrelevant keywords uh you want to make that's sure the, you're really really polished yeah that's the cool thing about etsy and and amazon as well plurals don't matter they automatically will add that to a yeah. search term if so if someone types in something that's not plural or something that is plural and you don't have the plural, that's totally fine. You're still going to get the same SEO juice yeah. um, in Etsy's algorithm. Same with Amazon. Um, but yeah, don't, don't use irrelevant keywords that don't, I mean, who would do that? You know, don't, <laughs> why, yeah. why would you do that? Because it's someone's searching for one thing and you, and you show up because you use an irrelevant keyword. You ain't going to get that sale because you're right. not selling the thing that they wanted to search for. Uh, that's that's kind of a no-brainer. But yeah, and you can also, uh, one of the biggest tips, I think, when you're talking about tags, you're talking about keywords on any platform, try to figure out ways you can use long tail keywords. And yep. um, for those of our listeners who don't know what that means, long tail is, so if you're searching for, um, you know, if you want like a pair of uh, red Nike, you know, uh, high tops, well, you know, don't use you know, if you're selling that, don't use Nike. I mean, you might use Nike, but you want to make sure you get as many things into your search right. term that can be searched because if someone's looking for red Nike high tops, they're not looking for blue Nike high tops. And so right. if you just put Nike high tops, you might get somebody that's looking for a blue one, but if you would have put red, you wouldn't have showed up for there and right. and, and you can be more relevant. So the longer the phrase is, uh, try to, maximize that 20 characters. And one other thing I have heard, and I believe it's been tested out. um, The first of your 13 tags has more SEO juice or algorithm juice than the 13th tag. So try to get your best, your best tags, your best keywords at the front of those. And then as you go kind of, they can decrease in yeah, and value, if you will, yeah. Um, yeah. because those first ones are always going to pop up first. Um, yeah, so, so I mean, you maybe even you know, as you're maybe maybe it's effective or a good practice to just in a separate word document, you know, or a note or whatever, just type out those thirteen phrases so that and see which ones you think are most effective, and then enter them Etsy that way instead of going off the top of your head, and then the number twelve might be the best one. But then you have to go and you know move it, or maybe you don't even think to, and that that one is is mm-hmm. going to be you know kind of less juicy in terms of SEO. <laughs> uh, so, um, but yeah, that's that's a, that's a good tip. Make sure you're the best tag is is up up front on, on first on the list. Yeah, uh, the next one would be write effective product descriptions. And this one, I mean, obviously you're thinking, well, duh, of course I'm going to do that. But <laughs> yeah, I think. 
I think one of the kind of one of the things that trips sellers up sometimes when they're writing product descriptions is that um, they're type they're typing out all of the basic idea or the basic like bullet points. You know, it's an eleven ounce coffee yeah. mug. It has a C handle. It has you know, which is all fine and good. But when you're writing an effective product description, yep. you don't want to just talk about the features of the item you're selling. You want to yeah. talk about the benefits. What and then that requires you to put yourself into the buyer's mentality. So yep. if I'm thinking about buying a a nurse coffee mug, who am I? Who who am I as a person? Well, I'm probably somebody who knows a nurse <laughs> yeah. and I want to gift that to them. So I want to put myself in that per particular um, mindset as I'm writing out this product description. And I don't just want to talk about the fact that it's 11 ounces uh, or, and it has a C handle grip or, you know, it's, it's microwaves and dishwasher safe and all of those things, which are fine to include because you have a sure. lot of, it's a big product description. You can write a lot of things, but I think the things you want to really lead with are emotional phrases, things that I, I as the buyer can, can, can connect with as I'm reading through this and going, you know what? Yeah. I know Sally's going to love this when I give it to her because, you know, I've written, uh, this is a great gift item for the nurse or whoever, you know, someone who just passed their, got their nursing license. It's the perfect gift for them. They're going to light up the moment they see this hilarious phrase. Uh, you can't imagine your joy when you see, I mean, things like that. You're talking sure. about emotion. Those I think are the most effective product descriptions. And I think if you compare that with another product that just has funny, it's a funny coffee mug for nurses. It's yeah. 11 ounces. It's dishwasher set. You know, I, I guarantee the one that you really spent the time going through the emotions part of it and the, the benefits rather than just yeah. the features is going to sell better every single time. Yeah. And it's a, I think it's um, the principle of making your, making the buyer the hero of the story, right? Yeah. So they're thinking about, excuse me. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> when you're showing, tell them the emotions and you're saying, you know, you won't imagine the joy on, on your friend's face or your favorite nurse's face or whatever. You're also in their minds, they are the hero of the story because they are giving the gift and they're going to be, you know, yeah. the person's going to be appreciative of them and how thoughtful they are. And so it does go to go, go a ways for them to be made to the hero of the story. Your, your buyer is the hero. You're not the hero for making the mug. They're the hero mm -hmm. for buying it. And so when you're just... <laughs> When your description, <laughs> I don't know what is happening. I need some water. Um, <laughs> when your description plays on the emotion, that tells that story. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of obvious things that you also want to include. Be because it's Etsy, um, yeah. there's really not a lot of other places you can put like your estimated production time and your estimated shipping time sure. and you know the, the, the size of it. So there are some uh, feature things that you need to include, but you can put those at the bottom. I mean, there's a yeah. see more button that they'll push because they want to know how much it's going to cost and all that. They yeah. want to know that information, but at the top, man, tell a story, make them the hero, yep. you know, give, give them a reason that this is going to be the best thing that they've done all day yep. <laughs> by yep. buying your, your nurse coffee mug or whatever it yep. is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the next tip would be, you know, adopt a product pricing strategy, which is something that we've talked a lot about on the show. There's a whole episode about, you know, cogs and how you can, mm -hmm. how you can figure out your pricing based on your cost of goods. Uh, and so determining a competitive price while keeping your business profitable uh, requires strategy. It requires some real sitting down and, and figuring out, crunching those numbers and figuring out what exactly that looks like. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> some things that, uh, are, are valuable ideas for develop, developing a pricing strategy is uh, make sure your price covers the cost of materials and labor. Make mm -hmm. sure to account for overhead costs like shipping, marketing ads, promotions, um, when you're computing all of that. Um, do research on competitor pricing because you do want to be competitive. You don't want to outprice yourself to where uh, right. no one's going to purchase the product. So there has to be this, this you know, knowledge, uh, awareness of what your competitor is selling the product for so you can be competitively priced. Um, consider your target audience. Who is buying this? Um, is it college mm -hmm. kids? Is it, you know, that, that, what demographic? Because um, right. then you have to consider how much money they do and 
your disposable income they have to use or not. Um, right. And then cost of shipping. And we know it's based on the dimensions and the weight uh, and not just the item. So those are, some, those are some things to keep in mind when you're trying to figure out a pricing strategy. And Travis, I know, you know, Make Your Mark Design has been doing that for the last couple of months. <laughs> just kind of whittling <laughs> away that piece of wood to figure out, you know, how, how this looks or what's the most profitable way to go about this. Yeah, we recently hired a, uh, a bookkeeper who um, she's actually a, a CPA um, nice. in the Philippines. So she's a virtual assistant and she is amazing. And so she has gone through loads and loads of product data. And um, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that we we went through a time when we were timing people and figuring out how much one sheet of bubble cost, bubble wrap costs yeah. and extrapolating that on how many you need to prac, you know, to product. Uh, to package this product and the boxes and then the time that it took and all of that. So we did all that data. She's actually going through and like looking at every single product we do. Um, And, and I can't tell you how important this is, even at a macro level. I mean, we're getting really down into the micro, um, which is, I think equally as important as you continue to scale and get bigger, you you really do need to get to the micro level. Like, okay, you make this much on a 15 ounce coffee mug. You make this much on a t-shirt. You make this much on a pillow, uh, you know, and, and then you can focus your attention on the things that you make more money on technically or, or theoretically. Um, or you can raise your prices on the things that you don't, you know, I mean, there's, sure. there's all kinds of different things, but the, the bottom line on this particular point to your, exactly what you said you you need to conf- like factor all of those extra costs i mean d- do you pay for internet well that needs to be somewhere factored into your costs and yeah. um and you need to understand that um do you need to hire a, a bookkeeper well again fixed cost that needs to be inserted in somewhere into that um that math problem <laughs> that equation Uh, as you're thinking about a price strategy. Now it's okay to just start and go, okay, I think this will sell for 20 bucks. That's totally fine. I think as you continue to sell, um, this is a really important point um, just to really dig in. I I don't think you can ever dig in too much. Um, I I just, I think it's, it's super important to any business as they want to grow to really have a specific product pricing strategy that, while you might do some research on a competitor product and say, okay, well, they're selling it for this, man, but I can't afford to sell it for that. Well, that's right. okay. Sell it for more. That's totally okay. There's still going to be people that'll buy your product because they like it better. Um, that's just the, the nature of e-commerce. They have yep. a, a ton of options, um, but have it, make sure that the reason you're pricing it for more is, is because of a strategy and not sure. just willy nilly, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, speaking about being competitive, you also want to offer competitive shipping. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, it seems you know, shipping keeps getting more expensive. But you know, it sure does. It <laughs> is what it is, and people are, um, you know, expecting to pay shipping. Um, so, you know, unless unless of course you know, your your product is digital, like we mentioned, and it's just a piece of art or or you know, PDF upload. You don't really have to worry about that, but um, one thing you can think to do to be competitive is just set a minimum order quantity or amount um, mm-hmm. for free shipping. And so, you know, that that has gotten me in the past. I'm sure it's gotten you too, Travis. We're like, oh, just for 20 bucks more, I can save on shipping. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll do that. And, you know, we'll go from there. Um, right. Which I think is, is an effective way to just do like a run a sort of promotion that helps people um, be motivated to purchase your product just because of this, the shipping savings. Yeah. Um, now Etsy does, they offer a, uh, a SEO boost if you offer free shipping on all your pro or in on a particular product. Sure. Um, but that doesn't have to be site wide or, or product, you know, your whole catalog wide, you can say, okay, well, I have enough margin. I can offer free shipping on these, but these yeah. other things I need to, I need to charge shipping on because, you know, it's going to be more, or maybe it's, it's more than a pound. So I have to ship it, you know, not first class. So I have to pay more. Um, but the point is, um, if you can do a free shipping and, and incorporate it in SEO, uh, you'll get an SEO boost from Etsy. At least that's sure. what they say. Um, but I, I wouldn't shy away from, uh, I mean, I've also seen really, really competitive stores and you've probably seen them too on Etsy that it's like, 
uh, and this is kind of gray hat. Um, I've, I've seen them like they'll have like a, a t-shirt. Okay. And it's, um, and they'll, and it'll show up as like nine 99 for this t-shirt free yeah. shipping. And then you'll, you'll click on it and you'll see that the only nine 99 is the very small orange sheet t-shirt. Sure. <laughs> and so they get the nine 99 thing on their deal and yeah. then everything else is 20 bucks plus shipping, you know? So they <laughs> yeah, got you I'm, onto their page. Yeah. Um, through I've heard that happen little... to me multiple times. Those yeah, sons it, of guns. I know. And it, that really frustrates me as a seller, but I, I think it works. Um, <laughs> but the point is, I mean, we're talking about shipping here, not necessarily product costing and all of that. I mean, those are some, take that as you, as you will. I, I can imagine Etsy at some point is going to say, you know what, that's not okay. We're going to take a blended average of all your products and that's going to be the price that we display. Um, but they're not doing it yet. So, you know, take yeah. that with a grain of salt, I guess. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> another, another piece of advice would be, and we kind of mentioned this, as well. And I know we're getting close to the hour mark. Um, yep. So I'll kind of quickly list um, these, these last uh, three or last two rather uh, engage your customers. Um, so, and we've talked about the way you can get people onto that mailing list and, you know, doing it within, you know, TOS, that's these TOS terms of service, making sure you're not doing something that's going to, you know, jeopardize the health of your store because, What's the point of a newsletter if they have nowhere to go? <laughs> because you don't have that <laughs> exactly. anymore. And so, um, so yeah, you can get creative with it. Um, but yeah, customer engagement is is huge. Again, to um, the to the disciple threads example that I was talking about. We got that other shirt, and when I opened it, there was another sticker in there, and on the back of it, it said, "Hey Josiah, it's nice to see you back in the shop." And then their sign, the owner's signature, wow. and a little note, whatever. And so he knew it was a recurring order. And he, you know, so that kind of, I was like, oh, that, that's really cool. I'm, that's mm -hmm. awesome. It's really good. And it's really engaging. He didn't have to do anything else to make me feel like that guy appreciates my business. Like truly, you know what I mean? So <laughs> there's, there's different ways you can do that. Not necessarily even a newsletter, but um, engaging things like that, you know, developing a, an abandoned cart recovery strategy, um, which has mm -hmm. worked, you know, works in the, has worked in the past as well. But I think the biggest one for engagement is social media. If you have a social media for your Etsy page, that is the place like an Instagram. That's where mm -hmm. you interact with your customers. If you're right. in the comments, if you're, if you post something and someone says, I love that, where can I get it? You can say, Hey, link in bio and, or, you know, thanks for the support, whatever. That is probably the most effective customer engagement because they follow your Instagram stories. You can tell your story there. You can tell more about who you are, show them your family, your pets, your husband, your wife, whatever. Um, and, mm -hmm. and they really get to know you there. And if you engage there, um, it will translate to your sales because they'll trust you more. Yeah. Yeah. I think that really goes kind of dovetails well with, you know, writing a really engaging about me page, yep. you know, and telling, telling, Hey, I, I have a husband, I have dogs, I have, you know, and then, uh, and here's the social and you can see yep. those dogs. You can yep. see that husband. It makes you a real person. Um, yeah. And just to your point, uh, the more real you can become to your customers, the more they can potentially trust you, which yes. is number one, number one sales tactic is to get your customers to trust you. Right. Um, so yeah, don't shy away from engaging with them. Um, we talked about email capture, you know, before, um, I love the social media part, you know, put it, put some, some of you into your product description even maybe. Um, but definitely you're like your about page and kind of all of that, uh, all of this stuff that doesn't contain products, because that's where, you know, if, if there's no products on the page or no products, no one's trying to sell me anything. So I feel more sure. comfortable right. so I can engage with you, you know, on a more peer to peer basis. And yeah. then if I am interested, you know, I do know that you sell stuff. And so maybe you right. drop something in their social media and all of a sudden I'm like, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and support, support these guys. Yeah. Yep. And I think it's also, you know, I think we talked about this before, but a good balance between um, shilling and advertising on your social media. If your social media page is nothing but product, 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 buy, right. buy, 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 um, you're going to turn off people pretty quickly and you'll probably get a lot of people unfollowing or at least unsubscribing mm -hmm. to your feed. So your follower count will stay the same, but the, the amount of people that it's reaching um, will dwindle. And so you want to definitely at least do a one-to-one -one for every product 
do a, something personal. I'd even say two to one, like something personal, a picture of mm. like Travis the totally. dogs or whoever. The more personal mm. you can be, and then you pepper in the the hard sell of products. I think the more successful that social media channel is going to be. And my, I mean, my wife follows a plethora of Instagram in sellers because their husband's hilarious or their child's cute or their dogs are funny or she's funny or whatever. And she <laughs> right. also sells some really awesome home decor stuff, but it's the personal stuff that hooks her to the page instead of photos totally. of the stuff that they sell. So totally. All right. All right so the last, last one, one. Yeah, uh, that one, yeah, the last one we're going to talk about um, as we approach the hour mark, we, <laughs> we talk about this all the time. We just had an episode on it recently, but look at the holiday trends. Yep. Um, make sure that you are seeing, not only seeing what's selling, but also seeing what holidays are coming up. Um, we, we've had so many, some of those lists of holidays that we've gone through and <laughs> yeah. it's just hilarious. Some of the yeah. holidays that people will buy products for in the u.s um yep. and and i'm sure abroad too but you know we've had whole lists that, you know two thousand yes. holidays or whatever in, yeah. in a year and you can sell for any of those so i think it's, it's it's super important to not only know when the holidays are coming but then also um etsy actually uh, publishes a list every single year and says hey here are the trends for the holidays and they're specifically talking about q4 holidays um, you know, like Christmas and Hanukkah yeah. and, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. But it's, it's a really good idea to, to check that out, to find that page and go, okay, am I selling some of these trends? And if sure. I'm not, maybe there's some ideas for some new products that you can launch right before they're going to be super hot on yep. the market, in the marketplace. Yep. And for the, and the next one coming up, you would think is Halloween, but October 11th is Canadian Thanksgiving. So, whoa. Get on that. Who knew? It's it's coming well, up Canadians soon. Canadians knew. So yeah, e. <laughs> uh, it's where they gather around and cut up the Tim Hortons and shear uh, maple syrup. E. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so I'm sure that's exactly what they don't do. Uh, but yeah, check that out as well. Um, and yeah, always know the holidays that are coming up. So Travis, anything else before we kind of wrap this? I know we were a little light on the waffle uh, this this week just because Mike was on the field. And we had to throw to him as soon as possible. But, oh, speaking of waffle, I was going to tell you in that mm -hmm. waffle section, um, you know, a lot of things have been going on. You know, the, the Queen of England recently passed away. You know, lots right. of national news. But another person who, of course, a lesser known celebrity, obviously, but um, someone that we all benefit from, um, the man who invented the throat lozenges died last week. Oh really? I didn't yeah. hear that. Was it that was in the news? I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. you know, I mean, yeah, sad. It's sad. It's sad. Not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, he he died last week. But hey, um, and there was no coffin at his funeral. And that's this week's weekly dad joke. As if you think we would forget, which you probably all did think we forgot, but we didn't. Um, I just circled hmm. back to it. Uh, but yeah, so. Thank you guys so much for listening uh, to this episode. Maybe you had to break this one up in two parts. Whichever you want to do, it doesn't matter to us, uh, but we hope that you found these insights helpful for you, especially for selling on Etsy um, right. or if you're even contemplating getting into the Etsy game, kind of giving you a head start on how to make your profile stand out uh, from the rest of the people out there. So as always, if you want to get in Attention touch with hotline us, fans. You can reach out to us through our Facebook group. That is always the number one place to go, prenotomancast.com slash Facebook, to uh, reach out, join the conversation, leave a dad joke or two, which there was one that I sent out this week, and so I have to do it. I have to do it. It's a new study that I heard recently uh, that they put in the Facebook group. But did you know that nine out of ten people who struggle with hurdles, they never get over it? Oh, I, I genuinely, I genuinely enjoy that who, joke so much. Who was that? Who was that? Was that, was that, uh, gosh, oh, I, I gotta find remember. who that was. Was it yeah, Dustin? We, yes, it was Dustin. Yes. All right, Dustin. Thank you, you Dustin. Shout out. You got shouted out for your dad jokery. So thank you so much. So now, if you want to be shouted out for your dad jokery, you can join us on the Facebook group. But 
it's more than just a place for dad jokes. If you have questions, if you have insights, if you have things that you feel like people should know, if you find a cool link to a cool article, whatever that is, that's the place to share it, to get our feedback, to get others' feedback. Um, The goal of this podcast was always to create a community of people that were able to rely on one another for help when it comes to the print-on-demand industry. And so that's what we would love to see happen as well. We're also on Instagram, printondemandcast.com slash Instagram and uh, slash YouTube as well. And if you don't do any of that, you can email us at info at printondemandcast.com and reach out to us that way as well. Uh, And as always, regardless of where you listen to your podcasts, we are there. Okay. There's a ton out there and I think we're pretty much on all of them. But if you're listening on the podcast app uh, through Apple, which I will forever call iTunes because I refuse to conform to uh, my nostalgia being destroyed, you can rate us. You can leave us a a star review and a comment and let us know what you think about the show. And besides it being fun for Travis and I to hear from you in that way, it also helps the algorithm uh, so that people who need this information can get it. So rate and subscribe uh, on iTunes and on Spotify as well, wherever you get your podcast. So Travis, anything else before we wrap this one up? Uh, I was just going to say a little self-promotion. I was actually on the um, Graphics Pro oh, that's right. uh, pod- podcast um, recently, and they just released it today. It's the 26th, Monday. Uh, and I was like, I went to their website and there's my big face right there on the front you know hey make your mark design travis and it's talking about obviously our production yeah, yeah. Uh, facility and um but i did i did tell them that i had a podcast too so you know nice. who knows maybe we'll get some people joining us from that but uh that was a real real great time if you do want to take a listen to that you can go to our facebook group i just did a post earlier yep. right before we pressed record um and yeah you can head over there and listen to me uh talk about print on demand and production Awesome. Yeah. Please go do that. Support that show. Uh, great folks over there. And uh, so mm-hmm. um, avail yourself of that. Like I said, it's on the Facebook group. Again, the printondemandcast.com slash Facebook. So with that being said, for Travis, I'm Josiah. We'll see you next week right here on the Print On Demand cast. See ya. Hey, babe. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Print On Demand cast. We hope you enjoyed the Totally Tubular show. If you've got a question or a suggestion for the show, send Travis and Josiah an email at info at printondemandcast.com. Want to be wicked nice? Take a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode. See you next time for sure.